Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Kevin O'Connor, and you are tuned in to the Immutable Truth. I've got my very best friend, Michael York, in our quote-unquote studio again, and uh, my very new friend, Kyle Williams. Hey, it's good to be here. Say hi, Mike, so they know I'm not lying that you're... Hi, Mike. Oh, that's what I've lived with for 18 years, people. That right there. (laughs) Oh, well, we got a few things that we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk uh, talk some about the election. We're going to talk some about uh, how Christians approach uh, the elections, or how. Let me rephrase that: how Christians should (laughs) approach the election. Because uh, not everybody who claims to be a Christian is approaching this from the same direction, right? Interesting. <laughs> and, and we're going to try to, as much as our limited minds can, hash this out a little bit, okay? But before we do, I wanted to read a uh, newsletter that we get every month from Alistair Begg, uh, it says, you probably, you will probably be reading this within days of the election. If, as we are led to believe, the results will not be known for some time, here is an exercise for us. It is biblical and practical and extremely beneficial. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5:16 through 18. It is the comprehensive nature of this exhortation, always, constantly, all that makes it so demanding. The good news is this: the exhortations of the Bible are never there without the enabling of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to physical exercise, it is not uncommon for me to sidestep it because I don't feel like it. Whenever the outcome, uh, whatever the outcome of the election, we may find ourselves responding similarly. I don't feel like being joyful or thankful and prayerful. How do I do it? Why should I do it? The answer is in the balance of the text, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Thessalonians had received the word in much affliction. Life was no cakewalk, and so if they were function if they functioned on the strength of their emotions, they would never have had the impact for which they were commended in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 7. They had to learn, as Spurgeon put it, to trust him whose power is inexhaustible, whose love is unbreakable, whose kindness is unchangeable, whose faithfulness is unfailing, whose wisdom is unfathomable, and whose goodness is impregnable. It is surely providential that these political events come in, in the context of thanksgiving. We may not sing around our tables, but we can at least recite these words from the harvest hymn. We thank you then, O Father, for all things bright and good. The seed time and the harvest, our life, our health, and our food. 
No gifts have we to offer, for all your love imparts. But that which you desire now are humble, thankful hearts. Okay, let's have two sets of three. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks always. I thought that was fitting just for the the season that we're in and it's I'd never heard that harvest hymn before when I read it and I thought it was pretty neat okay but uh Alistair's on to something you know whatever the outcome of the election we're still going to be required to follow that command to rejoice in the Lord always <laughs> you know no matter what and uh, it kind of reminded me of what Kyle said last night. He said, you know, if, if God could sustain the church through Nero, I'm pretty sure even if Joe Biden won, yeah. <laughs> that he could sustain the church through Joe Biden. And I've been reflecting on that all day as we were preparing to do this and as I'm thinking about the uh, election and the direction the church should move forward through and after the election it just got me to thinking you know if we especially as reformed christians put our theology into practice we should be able to rest and thank god that he's going to sustain us through everything right it's right. a practical implication of our theology that says god you know Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He's over all this, no matter what right, the outcome. Right, right. And we need to thank Him and look to Him for guidance in this time, instead of fretting and worrying and getting into all these conspiracy theories and everything else that's floating around out there now. Right. Well, you know, Mike uh, has been on this journey with me over the last few months of rediscovering the sovereignty of God you know what I mean how the modern Christian church you know in America especially but it's permeated all of Christianity uh well evangelical and Protestant Christianity to an extent you know what I mean uh but we have lost the idea of God's sovereignty. You know what I mean? We, 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 we say we believe in a sovereign, almighty God. You know what I mean? Uh, but we don't pray like it. We don't live like it. We don't talk like it. You know what I mean? There's so many times, you know, and I remember even in the Baptist church I grew up in, you know, we didn't have that firm mindset of the sovereignty of God and we talked about it occasionally and we might even say God's in control you know but we didn't act like God was in control and we didn't pray like God was in control and we surely didn't sit around and have conversations where we thought God was in control and he's going to work it all out you know what I mean uh, I think that's kind of lost nowadays you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you hear, um, I've heard some preachers, TV preachers, say, uh, one in particular I'm thinking of, but said that... Uh, you can call them out on our show, well, okay? It's well, okay. Said, uh, everybody teaches that God just didn't control. The Bible doesn't teach that. And I said, what? I, said, I, I was like, I had to rewind it, just, and I was listening to it on... Uh, 
uh, fighting for the faith. I can't remember what that guy's name is. Does that? I don't remember uh, either. But he does fighting for the faith, and he was he replayed it a couple times, and he said everybody talked about God being in control, but the Bible doesn't teach that the ball's in our court or something to that effect. Right, know? right. But I was just like. That's an odd teaching that is found in exactly no way. <laughs> so I was like, and then they, we wonder why the state of American evangelicalism is the way that it is. Right, and right. The, the reason that everybody is so up in arms and so about this election. Right. You know. Well, I want to get kind of sidetracked for just a second before we go to the election. I just want to talk about this real quick. Because we have people that are teaching this. You mentioned Todd White said that Scripture doesn't teach that God's in control. That God, scripture doesn't teach that God is sovereign over all things, which is, to me, sounds so heretical. It's not even funny, Okay. But at the same time, their idea of who God is is the genie in the lamp that they can rub anytime they want to get whatever they want. And in that way, God isn't, they're not serving God. God's serving them. You know what I mean? Yeah. God's there to do their will, God's there to meet their needs, answer their prayers because. They're the ones that the ball's in their court, quote unquote. You know what I mean? What do you think about that kind of craziness, Mike? Well, the, uh, <laughs> not only that, uh, not only that, but here a while back, I was on Facebook and, and uh, I uh, found a lady's profile page. I didn't know this lady from Adam, but. Uh, did you know her from Eve? Well, <laughs> I didn't know her from Eve. Uh, I guess that would make more sense. <laughs> no, you're fine. Go ahead. Uh, uh, she she was basically saying that she was a Christian, but she was staunch liberal. And her uh, I went through and read some of the posts that she had on her page, and her her thinking was completely warped. I mean, it. What she had posted basically amounted to uh, uh, conservatism. Is nothing. It, it is not. There's nothing about conservatism that is Christ-like. Liberalism is where it's at. Everything about liberalism, and uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand how. You you justify uh, first of all big government, which is all about controlling the governed. Uh, homosexual lifestyles and abortions does not line up with Christianity at all. Right, right. Well, I would say that the one, the one. The one topic there, you had three things. You talked about big government, uh, abortion, homosexuality. Uh, big government's more of a social issue, okay? I wouldn't call it a, a quote-unquote biblical theological issue because no matter the government, 
we're still supposed to try to live within those that framework as far as it doesn't uh, limit our worship of God, our spreading the gospel of God, and our living for Christ. Well, you know right. what I mean? If, if the government is controlling the governed, they're not going to give them that kind of freedom. Right, right. Well, and we're seeing bits and pieces of that in our country exactly. now. You well, know what I mean? Like when John uh, MacArthur was talking here a little while back about the uh, ban on everything. At first, he was on the side with most of us saying, okay, you know, uh, as you brought up earlier, Romans 13 talks about, you know, obeying the power that be and right, right. that sense of thing. But he said, you know, when they're asking us to do something under the guise of safety, it's one thing. When they're asking us to continually disobey scripture commands and sin against God, then we disobey. It is our duty to disobey. Right, right. And which he got a lot of flack for from the uh, uh, evangelical he kinda, circles. I don't even understand that, okay? Yeah. Well, you're, uh, people are saying, oh, you are you don't love your brother, you know, uh, if you're having church because you're, you're exposing them. Well, the reality is there is only a limited amount of time that you're going to be able to keep this country on lockdown anyway without causing some catastrophic events to take place. You know what I mean? And we were on board for five weeks. We shut down for five weeks, okay? Five weeks. The very beginning of March into April, right? For safety. That's what they were telling us. We were worried that it could get really bad. Well, once we started seeing that the numbers were nothing like they said they were going to be and that people were fudging the numbers and making things up, you know, we just started making a decision about, hey, when are we going to open back up? And then the governor, our governor, said, you can't have any church uh, in-person church services and that drew the line for me first of all an executive order is not a law okay but we do have on law that you can't infringe upon our our first amendment right that's a right that we have to peacefully assemble to practice our faith without any this is the government will not legislate any hindrances to that you know what i mean there's they, they make no law respecting the establishment of the of religion or the free practice thereof that means i have to have unlimited access to practice my faith it is my God-given American right. These rights we hold, these truths we hold to be self-evident that each of us has been endowed with our creator, by our creator with certain unalienable rights, you know. And that's when we get into what is our right and what is, you know, this, this, uh, uh, all of a sudden the, uh, oh, what do you call them, executive orders, are just thrown around like pancakes at a Waffle House, you know. Not only is an executive order not a law, it does not trump law. Right, it can't 
Trump law. That's that's the big deal for me. And I was behind John MacArthur from the beginning of his protest, okay? I was like, yes, this is right because we'd already went through it with our governor trying to tell us you can't have church. And I'm like, uh, that's not legal. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a huge overstep and uh, it's one of them things where you know, and a lot of people caught a lot of flat for the, uh, you know, especially from unbelievers and people who were saying, like you said, well, you know, the Bible teaches you're supposed to love people. You're not loving people if you're exposing them to this. It's like we are not yeah, saying that people selfish. can't. Yeah. We 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 can't. You know, we're not saying that people if they feel uncomfortable with it that they can't go home. But it is a you know, and then here this came out. Well, we are the church. The church ain't the building. But they're overlooking the fact that we are commanded to, in Scripture, to meet right. together. Right, it's right. A, it's not just a preference. It is a biblical command, and if we, and we are to disobey men rather than God. Right, right, church right. Is the body of believers. Well, you know the word ecclesia, church, that they jumped up all and uh, all up and down on, which I have too, means the gathering. You know yeah. what I mean? It means the gathered church the gathering the church met every day in the first century every day not just twice a week three times a week every day they broke bread went to the temple went home broke bread together every day they received the lord's supper every day which will flat blow a lot of baptist people's minds you know what i mean because you're supposed to do it like once every quarter or whatever oh, yeah. you know I, I, I think was, growing up we did that and i think you gotta at least do it every sunday but yeah they did it every day and, right uh, right and there's just certain things that you can't do in your home by yourself i mean right family worship which i think we all should be doing you know Right, um, right. Which is a biblical command as well to lead your family to lead it. But to meet together with the church, the ecclesia, the gathering. Right. Um, they were coming down pretty hard on MacArthur about it. And I was proud of the stance that he took. And it, I think it meant a lot to a lot of Christians. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Mike, uh, now, what church did you grow up in for the most part? when you were growing up? Pentecostal. Okay. And how often did they have communion? Uh, I honestly, I really didn't pay close attention to that because I was too young to partake in right, it. Right, right, right. It, it didn't seem like it was really all that often. No, no, I mean, no. Like, uh, it's in a coon's age. <laughs> that's a time frame. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's hillbilly time frame for I don't I, know. Oh, anyway, I just wanted to kind of get down that rabbit trail real quick because that plays a lot into the atmosphere of what we're going through in this political arena right now. I mean, uh, we may talk about some stuff that people, when they listen to this, they're like, I'm never listening to the immutable truth ever again. Well, you know, I love you and I hope you keep listening, but we're not going to sugarcoat the truth. Right. right now we have political agendas that are going on that are based on lies that are based on false narratives and everybody's still buying it yeah. okay and i don't understand i don't understand how christians 
could buy into this stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, so I want to talk about the election. I want to talk about... Well, uh, I mean, just interject. Uh, uh, it's, it's because, well, it's like what Denzel Washington said. If, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspaper, you're misinformed. So it's, it's in today's time, it's kind of either believe the media or, or, uh, read it and don't believe it. Or, <laughs> that's what I got. Go through conspiracy theories and, and try to decipher what, what part of it's true and what ain't. What, yeah, because I mean, some of it's not conspiracy theory, some of it's conspiracy fact. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, my my thing is right now we're having a we're having a very strong push against any kind of conservative ideals. Period. Right. Okay, like you can't even start talking to somebody about abortion without if they're if they they're not care. conservative, they will go off on you. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, yeah. they will blatantly start cussing you out, start telling you that, you know, people have a choice. That's not a baby. That's a fetus. You know, that's fetal tissue. That's just a amoeba. I heard somebody say on one of the news clips the other day, you know, it, it was a parasite. That's what they called it, a parasite. To say that, uh, you're a science denier. Right, right. Well, I, I take that back to the Bible, back to when... Uh, back to when uh, Mary was telling uh, John Blank, John Baptist's mother. Oh, oh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> um, when Mary was telling Elizabeth the news about Jesus and the baby leaped in her womb. Right, that, right. That's life. He was reacting yes. to the conditions outside, external conditions. A fetus or amoeba or embryo or whatever else the anti-life crowd wants to call it is not, it's a life. Right, Life right. begins at conception. Right. It is a scientific fact. It is a biblical truth. Yeah, right. and it says when he heard her salutation. Right. He, right. Yeah, exactly. And how, so, did he, how does he hear it if he's not alive? They are ignoring um, scientific fact and they are suppressing biblical truth. Right. Which the word tells us that they're gonna do anyway. Right. right. Well well that that's the nature of every fallen creature right. is to suppress the truth of God's word. They don't want to come face to face with it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to submit to it. They don't understand it. Neither can they, right? So, so uh, getting started, I want to, I want to, I want to shift gears right up to the election portion and just say, uh, this is a big moment for Christians. You know what I mean? This is a big moment for Christians, in my opinion. I believe that. We may be on the precipice of the greatest freedoms that we've ever had or the beginnings of freedoms being taken away from us. 
uh, that we haven't seen in this country, okay? There's other places in the world this happens all the time, okay? Uh, that, you know, uh, there's other places in the world where they're being hunted, where they can't do anything in daylight. Well, China, Iran, Pakistan. I mean, there's just so many places. A lot of countries in Northern Africa, uh, uh, the Sudan have... Muslims have been systematically hunting Christians down in the Sudan for over 25 or 30 years. It's been going on. And the worldwide outcry for it was like crickets, okay? And God bless uh, our evangelical friends, but I haven't seen big movements from them to help the people in Sudan, okay? I, I remember watching TBN years and years ago and uh rod parsley was the only person which <laughs> don't listen to him okay but he was the only person that i knew of that was going to the sudan and rescuing people out of the sudan so they wouldn't be martyred or sold into slavery for their faith you know what i mean but this stuff has been going on forever in other countries. And right now, we're just, and Canada is just as worse. If you, Canada is just as bad. The atmosphere towards biblical Orthodox Christianity. Unless you are, and I'm using air quotes, they can't see me. Unless you're a denomination or a church group that is caving to social pressures to accept sin, to not talk about sin, to not really proclaim biblical truth, to not really proclaim the exclusivity of biblical truth, meaning that the Bible is not subjective, but it's very objective. It has one message, and it doesn't mean one thing for you and one thing for you and one yeah. thing for me. If you're not one of the crowd that's doing those things, you're hated. You know what I mean? You, the the idea. You're you're, yeah, you're intolerant even though they can't tolerate you at all. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a growing stigma, and we're seeing the dividing lines, in my opinion, are coming down even in social issues where you have the church, which should be on one side you can say it. Right. Yeah. is on both sides of these Straight on the issues. And I think, and this is just my opinion, that maybe God's just separating the sheep and the goats. Maybe he's mm -hmm. letting people see who is and who isn't really following the word of God. Because now you have these progressive postmodern Christians that are just changing biblical definitions. The woke, the woke group. The woke group. Can you talk to me some? Uh, do you know any of the anything about them changing these words around so they mean different things? What words are we talking? Oh about? well, uh, let, let one one for instance, holiness. They oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> basically, what's happened is a lot of modern evangelicals. Have um, they've added a eleventh commandment in there into the uh, Decalogue, and it is now 
the 11th commandment is thou shalt be nice. Did you guys know that? Right, right. <laughs> thou shalt not offend anyone. Yeah. Thou shalt not step on any toes. Politically correct. I think R.C. Sproul said one time, non-rock about it. Right. It's a new doctor. Right, right. And uh, so basically what they're doing is they're, they're imposing and interjecting uh, worldly standards of morality onto right. the church. Right. And saying right. that if you don't if you don't stand up against this, if you don't stand for this, if you don't stand for this, you are outside of God's will and you are the one that needs to repent and you need you need to accept this, you need to accept this, we need to love. Um, there was a song I was on the way here last night uh, and it was a song about it was on uh, whatever the Christian station around here is. 98.9 now? Yeah. And uh, it, it was something about a song about what would Jesus do? He would love first. Right. I listened to about three minutes of that, and that's all it said. He, you know, he would love first. Well, that's true, but what does loving your neighbor biblically look like? Right. Well, here's, the, here's my problem with this whole Jesus would love first. Jesus did love first. Okay. He also spoke truth. But he also spoke the truth and he never changed the rules. Matter of fact, he didn't make the rule less stringent. He increased it. You know what I mean? These people that want to talk to me about what Jesus said about not judging. Okay, if you're going to follow what Jesus said, then let's go to talk about what Jesus said about marriage. Okay, let's talk about the fact that Jesus didn't give any. He said the only reason you got the commandment to give someone a divorce is because your lack of faith, you're the problem. Because of the hardness, because of, the hardness of your heart. He said, he said otherwise, the, the model is, and he went back and quoted from Genesis that for this from from uh, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave right. unto his wife that's biblical marriage a man and a woman biblical marriage is man and a woman for life right. divorce isn't an option you know what i mean we got away from that and now we make excuses for whatever reason for divorce you know what i mean it doesn't matter what the excuse is we're oh uh the greatest sin of the modern uh judicial system in my opinion one of them not the greatest but one of them was this idea irreconcilable differences is an excuse of not being together and not working through my problems in marriage. I mean, we just gave a people a license to say, well, I can't get along, so I'm leaving. You know what I mean? And Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you've heard it said, don't hate your, you know, thou shall not murder. He said, I tell you the truth, if you hate your brother without cause, you're guilty of murder. He said, he said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And he said, I'm telling you that it's not just a sin to commit adultery. It's a sin to even think about committing adultery. So he took the commandment to the next level. He didn't, he didn't relax it. And in his own words, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Right. Now, I'm not talking about no salvation by works. So, you you know, go read the bio on the immutable truth. We don't believe in salvation by works. It's by grace, through faith, in Christ, 
according to scripture for the glory of God only okay yeah, when, when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler he, and and he said well you know that the law honor your father and mother and he said well I've done all this since our youth Jesus didn't say oh well you're good you're, you're ready to go well, I think Jesus just knew he lied straight to his face, first of all, okay? we Jesus just got through saying, there's no one good. Because the rich young ruler didn't just come up to him and ask him a question. He said, good master. And Jesus said, hold on, there's only one good, and that's God, right? Yeah. And, 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 and this rich young ruler, Jesus tells him, you know the commandments. Thou honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Uh, can't remember the other one. And he's like, oh, I've done all that. Well, he just got through telling you only God's good, but you're like, me too. <laughs> you know, and, and the reality is that we're not even honest with ourselves about what's going on in our culture. We are in a culture that is literally calling the things of God evil and calling evil things good. They will, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that when we're telling you that there isn't this systemic problem yet you're going to burn cities down and it, people let it happen and they will protect the right of people to burn cities down yeah. but will not protect citizens rights to go to worship on Sunday, Saturday, whatever day you're worshiping on. You know, you understand what I'm saying? We're calling things that are evil good. And we're telling people who are doing good, you're doing evil. <laughs> the problem is, this is back to the question a little bit about changing definitions and terms. And the, uh, uh, the, the movements going on right now, you know, Black Lives Matter and defund the police. Um, back uh, when all this stuff first started, you know, when they had that big deal in Seattle and whatnot, there was actually the leader that come out and said that he wanted uh, the, uh, def the nuclear definition of a family, you know, one man, destroyed. one woman, and children, you know, was to be destroyed. That was a, um, that was part and parcel with uh, systemic racism and that was um, it was oppressive misogynist racist homophobic anything you name it it was it was just it was a high-handed defense against woke culture right. to say that you know one man one woman had to you know be fruitful multiply follow God's law and he was saying you know, that is, it's oppressing minorities. It's oppressing different sexual identity groups. And what? that was just, that floored me. And so how any, now we've got these um, woke pastors and woke um, evangelicals, and they're coming out in favor of this kind of talk and say, you know, maybe we need to soften our language. And then you say, oh, well, are you trying to change God's law or God's definition of holiness? Oh, no, we just want to soften it a little. We want to be loving. We want to accept these people. Sure, these people are hurting. I don't doubt that there's people hurt. I don't doubt that at all. What I doubt is that we're to give them 
the comfort of God's word, and we're to give them the truth. Right. Uncompromisingly. Give them the truth and then comfort them with the word of God. Well, but, but now we're attempting to comfort them and say, hey, it's okay. You know what? Jesus will forgive you. And he will. He'll forgive anything. The vilest offender. He'll forgive anything. But, you know, it doesn't come without um, a longing or a, you know, approaching holiness. Well, the, the, the reality is, is that we know salvation is absolutely a free gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a free gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. God gave us a reason why it's a free gift so that I couldn't take pride in earning my way there. You know what I mean? Because then I would be trusting in me. I'd be trusting in myself when my trust, my hope, my uh, desire has to be completely for Christ. But... We've taken God out of the equation of Christian life in that we think God gives us this free gift with no strings attached. Gives us the born-again experience, but doesn't change us. That's not taught in Scripture. The born-again experience absolutely must change you. Amen? (laughs) we uh, By grace are you saved through faith. That faith, that saving faith is not a faith that's alone. You know what I mean? It is not. It, the, 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 the evidence of salvation is new fruit. Jesus said you'll know a tree by their fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. These, are, these, these statements are conditional. He's saying if there's bad fruit, it's not a good tree. If it's a good tree... It's going to have good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's going to have bad fruit on it because a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And I think a whole lot of people who claim to be Christians need to do what Paul said. He said, let each man examine himself and see if he be in the faith. Because the reality is we, we've boiled it down to this sinner's prayer. Oh, just say this prayer and you'll, you'll, you're, you're in. But the reality is... It's not that simple. It's not as simple as that because God has to be in the middle of that prayer. If you're not truly surrendered when you're saying it, then you're just reciting words. If you're not truly having a born-again, one-on-one experience with the living God, then you're just going through the motions and nothing really happened. Because when a seed, the proof that a seed is alive is not that it was planted. It's when it begins to sprout. You know, you know what I mean? We, we, we see the seed planted and we go, all oh, the trees here. First of all, you don't know that. Second of all, you don't have any evidence of fruit. Why are you saying that? You know what I mean? When did we get to the point where we have the born-again experience, the if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away. Paul said in Galatians, when he was talking to him about the acts of the flesh, he said, such as were some of you, meaning that they weren't that way anymore. 
You know what I mean? So there is, even though salvation is 100% free, salvation brings with it an expectation because of the work of the Holy Spirit at regeneration, because of God the Father drawing the person who is being regenerated, because of the Holy Spirit effectually applying the blood of Christ to the redeemed person, they, it is impossible for them to be the same if true conversion has happened. If his word says, you know, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Right. It's, you know, that is, you know, where it says, do, you know, if you do the will of my Father, well, that is, you know, and we believe that salvation is entirely monergistic. It's all of God. It's, it's all, all of God. God. Right. Um, but sanctification is a synergistic one. Right. It's you, Cooperation. It, yeah, it's you submitting. Right. Not not so much you doing anything as far as oh well, working out. I'll work it out. As right. As far as but as far as you submitting, yielding, and reading the truth of God's word and saying, okay, well, it lays out for me what a righteous look, life looks like and what unrighteousness looks like, and it if you can think of your sin. And not have a, you know, not have a terror over it. Uh, that's probably a good indication of an unregenerate heart. Right, right, right. I thought you summed it up really well yesterday during church when you said, "Fruits, fruit follows, but it is not. Oh, the, it, it, it is the fruit. Fruit. It is the fruit, not the root. Right." salvation the the good works are the fruit of salvation they're not the root you don't get to salvation through works works are a product of the born again experience being conformed he said we're we're changed and he called us to live this way and prepared for us works beforehand that we should walk in them you know what i mean it's all about the predestined uh, called the election, the work of God in our life. And you can tell when God's really working in a life and when God isn't really in that life, when somebody's just going through the motions. Because the reality is we get confronted with sin by our pastor or brother in Christ. And you may have somebody go, oh, no, I'm mad at them. But then they think about it better later and and they go, you know, they were right. So we can see there's fruit there. There's a work in them that's really there because they're receiving now this word. You know what I mean? It's the people who run off and never come back because you offended them. No, I didn't offend you. You were offended at God's word because I wouldn't change what it said for you. But we have people changing like the word holiness. Uh, now they're trying to mean, make it mean it's just a relationship with God. It's just us being in communion with God. And they even go as far as to say that homosexual conduct is holy. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that doesn't make you want to puke as a Christian. I don't know why. Right. Okay. Um, let's let's move yeah, on. I wanna yeah. I wanna get I wanna get going towards yeah. what a Christian should be doing what we should be looking for as we're coming up to the election. We're not here to promote 
okay, I'm lying. We're here to promote a certain candidate, okay? But that's because we believe he's standing for certain certain Christian principles that the other one absolutely fundamentally denies. Correct? Yeah, I just want to preface be a Catholic. Right. I just want to preface anything I'm going to say tonight. In 2016, I was a never Trumper. Right, right. <laughs> I was absolutely, I said, uh, when I found out he was running, I said, this is some kind of joke. Ha ha, they pull my leg. Because he was a uh, Democrat, and he has made some very liberal statements in the past. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Get this guy out of here. There's no way, you know. And uh, you see spoofs about it on TV shows and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And you're like, yeah, this ain't going to happen. And then it happens. And so what do you do? The, you know, the Word of God tells us, um, you know, to pray for leaders. Right, so right. They live quiet and peaceable lives. So that's kind of the approach I took. I, I did vote for Trump in the 2016 election because he was the... Lesser of the two evils. Lesser, well, and you know, and it, it's kind of terrible to have to vote that way, but um, I yeah. I haven't. He wasn't I'm, voting for Trump, he yeah. was voting against Hillary. Yeah, I've only been eligible to vote for 11 years now, and um, I haven't, and it's always been that He's way. a young guy, yeah. Mike. Oh, yeah, I think I'm the youngest one. Here. You are, but, um, I guarantee it. Uh, just by a little bit. Um, but uh, ha- I haven't ever had to not pick between the le- the lesser of two evils. Right, right, right. Uh, that being said, I think he's done some things that I think are very good. He's he's uh, fulfilled some of his promises. But I, like I said, I I'm not I'm not condoning his character tonight. I'm not right. up here saying that he's. The most moral candidate we've ever right, had. Right. As a right. matter of fact, um, back, oh, it's been several months ago, I was listening to Frank Turk, and he had said that, uh, he had said, you know what? Um, Americans just got to realize we're voting for, on a president and not for a pastor. Right. And right. that's just the approach that I've had to come to this thing with. Right. Um, you know, and as far as everybody, um, you know, of course, they talk about is Trump Christian, or I don't want to get into any of that because right. that's not our judgment call. Right. But I will say that um, I think um, there's a lot um, there's a lot of things we need to be praying about coming up to this thing. Right. Right. So, so give me you got a scripture ready? I know you do. So. Well, I. I well, I had that one that I referenced a little bit ago. Well, let, let's read it so we can give them okay. the scripture, okay? Let me get back to it. This is in First Timothy chapter 2. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. First Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So so here's my thing, okay, and I know we all have our opinion about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Um, I, for one, 
I voted for Donald Trump in the first election. I voted for him because he was a businessman and our economy was in trouble. I'll give you my, that was my reasoning for voting for him, okay? I was never under the illusion that he was all of a sudden completely right-leaning, conservative, evangelical Christian. I just was not, I, it didn't, I didn't get the wool pulled over my eyes, okay? I seen the group of people that he had around him praying for him, some of whom I like, some of whom I wouldn't give you two cents for their tape or CD. I guess CDs nowadays, right? Not tapes, but... uh, But the reality is... We are. We can't walk into this and go. Oh, Trump is the look. He's the better of the two candidates, as far as I'm concerned. And it comes down to issues for me. Number one, it comes down to his stance on marriage, his stance on family, his stance on religious freedom, his stance on uh, abortion. His, his stance on the nonsense that's going on in our country where lawlessness has been legalized, where we can burn cities down, anarchy, and he's like, this is ridiculous. He's a, but but these, he, his hands are tied and he can't do anything in these states where this stuff is going on because of these liberal governors. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's been a lot of things that's go, gone on that led up to this decision for me. But there's several things that, and I'm just going to say it, I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for a candidate that supports abortion. I don't know how you can be a Christian and vote for a candidate that supports gay marriage, same-sex unions of any kind. Okay, Do they have a right to do that? Yeah. Sure they do. Okay. Do does the government have a right to change the institute of marriage? No. No. No, because it's not theirs to change. And it never was until 1950. Okay. Well, and God instituted <laughs> marriage. Specifically right. Right. Solely between a man and a woman. That's um, you know. You find nothing you else in Scripture. You can't really call. A same-sex marriage, a marriage, because, uh, because biblically it does not fit right. the biblical definition of the nucleus of the family, right? Of, right. Uh, union of man and woman. So, do you got a script, another scripture for us? Well, I, I, I knew you was flipping for one. This was okay. about a different uh, situation. Okay. Well, about probably the next thing we'll get into. Okay. Well, I just wanted to talk about this for a few minutes, just about how people should be voting okay i don't want you to vote for your political party i don't want you to vote for what candidate you think talks better has a better attitude any of that christians as a pastor i have to admonish people you have to vote for the person that is standing on biblical principles okay and who is absolutely standing firmly on those principles 
You know what I mean? Right now, I don't care that Joe Biden calls himself a Catholic, okay? Everything that he supported has went, went against what the Catholic Church has stood for for thousands of years, okay? The, the Catholic Church, up until three weeks ago, never once would consider same-sex marriage. The Catholic Church still doesn't teach that that's okay. It still teaches that that's a sin, okay? The Catholic Church is against abortion, has been forever, okay? It is not something that we should be endorsing. Uh, there's just so much politically that we could say as Christians we shouldn't support that it's baffling to me that there's even a problem deciding who you're going to vote for. Well, what as, do you think? As, Am I crazy? <laughs> you're not crazy. Uh, as far as the abortion topic, they're, they're deceived. They're told that it's not alive. They're told that it's not a baby. As, as far as uh, How much is that willfully deceived, though? Well, that's what that's what I was getting ready to say. Uh, some could say deceived. I say willfully ignorant. Right. Uh, and that's that that's I guess debatable depending on who well, you ask. But well, I think most people are willfully ignorant. Well, well, that could be in some cases, but but uh, there there I've I've seen some videos like on Facebook or YouTube that. Uh, <coughs> Uh, where they uh, have a, a microphone that that picks up the, the baby's heartbeat at like six weeks, I think it was, and, and it changes people's minds. Right, right, right. Well, and there could be legitimately people out there that believe because they've been indoctrinated to believe that that, that baby ain't alive. You know what right. I mean? That it's it's not really a human being yet you know what I mean I don't know how you could be there in this modern age of technology but I guess it's possible it only took Mike like 20 years to get on Facebook okay <laughs> I may be exaggerating I don't even think Facebook's been around for 20 years but it took him a long time to get on Facebook but, but, okay? but as far as the homosexual part yeah you pretty much have to be willfully ignorant about that they buy into well we have to be loving and accepting of everybody and well you may as well just say it's okay well so. you know here's the reality drunk people have come to this church i've never once run anybody off okay right but i haven't changed the message that exactly. being a drunk is a sin okay mm -hmm. that that you can love people and still be honest with people right. you know what you i mean the, the the reality is they they try to say you can't if you're telling them the truth, you're being unloving. But I have to counter the argument with you're the one being unloving by lying to exactly. people, by deceiving them, by making them believe that what they're doing is okay when God expressly says is that it is not okay. Okay? Uh, but that's, that's just my little spill that I wanted to get in on this. Uh, basically, I just want to admonish Christians to vote. Don't vote for your candidate. Don't vote for your party. You vote for the person that is standing beside biblical principles. And if you don't, I, 
I hate to tell everybody, okay? Everybody, every one of us are going to give an account on what we say and how we live, and that includes on what we endorse, who we endorse. Am I endorsing that person? Am I uh, being a party to what they're doing? You know what I mean? That all plays a part of it because you go back and look at how God treated Israel every time they went to a new land and, and then they'd start wandering off into these other areas where they're not supposed to be and God would get completely angry, right? I mean, God right now, I believe, is just fuming at what's going on. Uh, and if you can't bring, if if you listen to this and you, maybe you say say to yourself, well, okay, maybe they have a point about Joe Biden. Maybe he was planning to vote for him, but you can't bring yourself to to vote for Donald Trump. You can do a write-in vote and vote for Jesus. <laughs> well, I wanted to t- hit on the write-in vote a little bit and the Go third ahead. party and all this. Right now, what we basically got is a decision to make between the lesser of two evils or three if anybody's still considering Jorgensen as a viable candidate. Oh, that Man, I, I done gave up on believing that any kind of independent's going to ever win this right. thing. Right, yeah, okay. me too. It's, it's so bipartisan that ain't even funny. But even with that being said, um, her morality is not, or as far as biblical standards go, is, you know, just horrid and abhorrent. But I think the clear choice, you gave your endorsement, I think the clear choice in uh, for a Christian to make in this election is to uh, vote the president back into office. Right. Um, because he is the only one that will stand on moral ground with a party that will back him. The, uh, the Democratic Party has really made it their goal, I guess, to be basically what I would say anti-biblical. Right, I'd right. like to use stronger language, but uh, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> Heretically uh, well, determined. Well, I was going to say the Antichrist part. <laughs> but, uh, because, and I say that because uh, here, in, I'm in Romans chapter 1, and it says in verse 26, and you know, this starts right, the right. for the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And it says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. And receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error, which was due. And even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to debase mind and to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, and coveted, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers and backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil, evil, 
disobedient to parents, indiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and so on and so forth. Right, right, but right. We, th th this party has made a platform out of everything it talks about in this passage. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and the the it, I want to read I want to read one to you. I wanted to pull this up before we before we close. Go ahead. Uh, I want to read this one. Uh, it's in Second Timothy chapter three, and it pretty much would go along with what uh, Kyle is saying about the democratic stance right now. Uh, Paul writing to Timothy in Second Timothy three says, "But mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of their self, lovers of money, boastful." proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And, and this kind of idea that you can support a party as a Christian that stands to undo every biblical commandment that we have. They're enabling this behavior. They're, they're not just enabling it, but they're teaching to do these things. Jesus said that he didn't come to, to destroy the law of the prophets. He said if anybody uh, teaches somebody to break a commandment you know that's he 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 is not going to be called a great person you know what i mean we're paul tells us that when we start doing these things that we don't even know god you know uh the bible says in galatians 5 1 corinthians 6 uh it has a whole list of people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of god of which drunkenness rioting uh homosexuality are all a part of that you know what i mean mm -hmm. and the platform for me the platform of the democratic party is we want you to do anything and everything that would go completely against what god teaches and that's that's why i said basically the antichrist party not that i'm saying you know they're the antichrist or joe biden or any weird thing like that but anti-christian in all their values right. and they have set themselves up as diametrically opposed when you go out and you go and you witness to people at these abortion mills and you go out and you just witness to people out in the open you talk to people and uh, You'll find out real quickly if they are on one side or the other, and if they are on that other side, that it will quickly tell you that your views on morality are evil. Well, I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase, well, if that's the God you serve, then I don't want any part of it. That's evil. That's, they will call the just, holy, righteous God wicked to his face, pretty much, because... They don't like the message. They don't want to believe that what they're doing is inherently evil. And it's 
it's a sad situation, but that is what this party, uh, like I talked earlier with the Marxist and the communist ideology that are coming in, the Democratic Party is not what it was pre-2008. It's right. just, it's not. Well, and well, I, I, I think it was hidden. Well, maybe hidden a little better, but in this day and age, with everybody's views are out there in the open, and this is all coming to light, um, I don't know how you could say that uh, we're, you know, that we could say we love God's law, we love His word, we hide His law in our hearts so that we don't sin against Him, and then we go out there, and if we make the opposite choice, we are voting in things that are diametrically opposed to God's law. And I don't know how any regenerate, born-again Christian can be okay with that. No, no. Well, go ahead. They even went so far as to take the words under God out of out of the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Well, the, the, the reality is here, and I, this, is my, this is where I'm at with it, okay? I told our church years ago, don't be surprised that unsaved people, lost people, act sinful. You can't be surprised about it, okay? My surprise, and I guess my, my worry, my, my problem in this as a pastor is watching self-proclaimed Christians who are walking diametrically opposed, as you put it, to God's word. Not only are they not only are they voting things in that are absolutely against God's word, but now you have quote unquote churches that are uh, teaching that these things are okay. They are promoting them that they're okay. They they are telling other Christians you're wrong because you're not loving and it doesn't matter and we'll change the wording in the Bible just to make it fit somebody, you know. That's my fear right now is that the 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 church that we keep talking about the silent majority, okay? I keep hearing about this silent majority. And this is my message to the silent majority. Quit being silent. We don't need a silent majority no more. We need the majority, if, if, if Christians, if conservatives, if, if biblically sound Christians are the majority in this country, then I am here to tell you it's time to get off your butt, get off your thumb, open your mouth, and start standing up for what you believe in because the rest of us who are willing to say something are quickly getting our rights and uh, uh, privileges stripped away from us because you want to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. And I, I think what we need, like you said, we need to have people not to be silent. Um, you know, and that's that's the problem is we're not we're not the, we're not really the majority anymore, and but we are silent. We're barely we're very silent right. on issues because we are so afraid 
that we might offend somebody by sharing the truth of God's word with them. But if you take the word of God away from the Christian, we don't have a leg to stand on. Right. And how I, I posted something on Facebook the other day with something that um, had been shared, but I uh, it basically said um, how are how is the church supposed to affect the culture when we're letting the culture affect the church? Right. When right. we're letting. Um, you know, some very, some very sound pastors and very sound organizations are coming out on what I would call the wrong side of this issue. They're coming out in favor of everything that the left is standing for, and they're trying to um, do it all in the name of justice. But if we are not conforming our standards to the standards in the Word of God, we're missing the mark, and it's right. sinful. It's not a mistake. It's not a matter of opinion. And then normally I say that politics is a secondary issue. I don't want to divide with anybody over that. But with everything that these people are standing for is exactly opposite of what God says in His law, we have to take a stand, and we have right, to right. divide over it. There are certain things that Christians shouldn't do, and then there are some things that a Christian must not do. And I, I will say it, it's probably not going to be popular, but a Christian must not vote for a candidate that supports the murder of the pre-born. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, and I think we've got a lot of issues that we're not going to be able to hash all this out tonight. But I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to let people understand from uh, from my perspective, from Mike's perspective, from Kyle's perspective, that the church is failing in the area of opening their mouth and teaching biblical principles to the people that are coming there. And then you have... I'm sorry, when people who claim to be pastors start coming out and teaching in favor of sin, you have now walked away from your faith. I, I believe that there's something seriously spiritually wrong with you. If you are a Christian, it is like by a microcosm of a, just a speck of an amount if you are at all, because the reality that you can support sin, condone sin, teach people to sin, celebrate sin, celebrate sin your, conscience is seared. your conscience is seared, and I have a serious problem believing that you really know the God of the Bible. Because the, real, the reality is that if you truly are a Christian, Catholic or otherwise, and you believe in the Word of God, the Bible, the authentic, unadulterated, authentic Word of God, you cannot support these things and claim to be a Christian. Jesus said, Jesus didn't leave us this middle ground that we seem to want to walk on. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. You either gather with me or you're scattering abroad. And the reality is that we can't straddle the fence 
There's not room for that in the Word of God. The Word of God says that He'd rather you be hot or cold. Otherwise, He's going to spit you, vomit you out of His mouth. Because the reality of what's going on right here is we are seeing a modern-day apostasy. We are seeing modern-day... Uh, we're seeing what Paul warned in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're seeing that times a million. Because... False teachers abound. And he told Timothy, he said that they will get, he says, they will deceive and they will be, they will be deceived and they will deceive and it'll get worse. Okay. And I don't know about you, but you, all you gotta do is flip the TV on, the radio on to realize that false teachers are everywhere now. And it's no wonder that our Christian culture doesn't know which direction to go when you have such a m large amount of people who claim to be Christians teaching that sin is okay, teaching that uh, God's word doesn't, <laughs> telling us that God isn't sovereign, first of all, okay? T telling us that God isn't against homosexuality, even though he yeah. calls it an abomination. Oh, it's not in the red letters, so we need. Well, uh, yeah. Jesus yeah. never addressed it. Which is all a lie, and like you, you said, the the whole the middle ground, uh, neutrality is a myth. There is no neutrality. The word says we are either for him or against him. We serve God or we serve Satan. It's not even people say, "Well, I'm just serving myself. I'm staying true to myself." You are not. You are serving Satan. If you turn your back on God's word for one minute to support anything else, you are a servant. Right. I mean, that's just it. Right, right, right. I, I would agree with that statement. Well, Mike, Kyle, we're already over an hour here. So we don't want to blow everybody's minds up with political stuff. Yeah. And, and we've already probably blown their mind with, with uh, what they probably, whoever didn't like what we said probably stopped listening like an hour ago, okay? Uh, but. I hope that we're able to encourage other people to stop being quiet. Get your Bible out. Read it. Believe it. And if you really are a Christian and you really do live by those principles, then stand up and tell people that you do and stop being a coward. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Okay? And that's the reality of where we need to be at. Uh, you know, it's funny that... Uh, we live in a generation that thinks that, oh, they're all getting this new Holy Ghost revival and they, they've got something that other generations have never had. But the reality is, if we go the other direction where Christians start to get persecuted again, you're going to find out that a lot of these people who so-called have this new gift of the Spirit are going to wax cold and run off because they're not ready to actually be persecuted they're not really ready to actually stand up in biblical doctrine and say i won't do this and i won't do that and i will not i will not give an inch or my life will be taken from me that's when we're going to find out where the rubber meets the road you know what i mean and if we're not careful in this election we could be headed straight that direction in my opinion okay now mike i'm gonna let you pray since you're the quietest most sensible person i know at the table <laughs> uh pray for pray for the election pray for the president you can pray for the church 
uh, all the above if you want, okay? But we want to pray and close, and I want you to just uh, pray, pray how you see fit right now, okay? Father, we need you in a desperate way. Father God, we just want to pray for this country, Lord, that you would have mercy. Dear God, but even more than that, we just we want to pray that your will be done. Dear God, we want to submit to your will. Yes, Lord. Father God, even if our president is not reelected, he still has some time in office, and we just ask that you would help him to make decisions that glorify you. Yes. And Father God, we pray this for all of our elected leaders for all of our governors, for all of the personnel in our House of Representatives, in our Senate, Father God, our government, we ask whatever it takes that you would bring this country to its knees before you. Dear God, we want a revival all across our land. We need you. And we just ask that that, that you would move across this whole land with your Holy Spirit and help us to submit to you every day that your light would shine through us in the name of Jesus we pray. Father God, for our church, help us to be ready with arms open wide to receive a harvest. Lord, let your light shine through us so that everyone around us knows and cannot deny that you are real and that you live in us. Help us to be your hands and feet. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I want to thank you guys for coming out and sacrificing an hour and 17 minutes and make sure you tell your wives. Yeah. that I appreciate it too. <laughs>